Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek. This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to yet another episode of the London is Blue podcast. I am already struggling to get through this, gentlemen, and we are three and a half seconds in. Dan, save me now before I just go under. We only need one more point to qualify for Champions League. There he is. One Brought point. it back on track. <laughs> one point FC. Isn't that what we've been calling ourselves all season? 100%. Uh, well, as always, Brandon joined by Nick and Dan. But we've got Amity coming along for this ride. I know that we agreed that we'd only have you on for wins, but I tell you what... Surprise, we do not have a win tonight to talk about. <laughs> Emotional support required. Yeah. yeah. So happy to be back on. I'll take it. I'll take what I can get, guys. It's uh, uh we really Brandon appreciate gonna, those. I thought Brandon was gonna pull a Chappelle line there uh, that I will not name. All for, right, for the, well, for the children um, listening. <laughs> so let's just get through this. We'll get we'll tighten this up a little bit. So Patreon, a huge thank you to Trevor, Brian, and Joey who all joined up and have been on the server. Uh, group therapy in session on Discord in the Match Day Matters cool. thread. Uh, you you and 250 of your closest Chelsea friends uh, and access to us as well. No Apple Podcasts this week. We'll give Dan a break. Uh, and then lastly, you know, check out us on YouTube. Uh, Amity has a sick Anderlecht kit on. Uh, I just have the boring old track top. Nick repping the OG T-shirt. OG. Look at this oh, thing. Oh, man. If you have one of those, like, you've this been is- around. This is 2016 vintage, baby. Yeah, and then Dan's got the brand new kit, so there's that too. So uh, spoilers on that one, uh, but it does look quite fantastic on you, sir. Uh, Well done. Thank you. Here we go, though. It is a match review 
of Liverpool in the Premier League at Anfield with fireworks unnecessarily. Liverpool five, Christian Pulisic, I mean Chelsea three. <laughs> if uh, my biasness comes out in this episode and you don't like it, my handle's at BB Busby. We can chat. Uh, here are the goals brought to you by the Fifth Stand app. That is the official Chelsea FC app. Uh, great interviews, great insight. And if I'm being honest, they really don't hold back when they write their match reviews. So I'm kind of enjoying it. So mm. over to you. Chelsea arrived knowing that avoiding defeat would ensure qualification for next season's Champions League. Here come the champions. And Chelsea being gracious guests by applauding them onto the field. What an unbelievable strike from Naby Keita. Liverpool take the lead midway through the half. Stuck one in at the bridge from not dissimilar range. He's done it again. Well, it's a perfectly placed free kick. Kepa barely moved the foot to get near it. It's loose. Appeals for handball. Doesn't matter. Wijnaldum stuck it in the roof of the net and Chelsea are three down. Towards Alonso. Nudging the back was enough to stop him from getting it. Back come his way, and there's Willian, and surely Giroud's going to turn it in. And Chelsea are on the scoreboard right on half time, and maybe that changes things. No surprise, it's Olivier Giroud yet again with the goal. Bent in by Alexander Arnold, beautiful ball, 4 1. Roberto Firmino has a Premier League goal at Anfield this season. Pulisic, he's through here, he's got Abraham waiting for the tough-in, oh. and there it is. And the substitutes combine to immediate effect. That's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. What foot, foot, footwork from Christian Pulisic. Over everybody, but picked up by Hudson-Odoi. This time, can he find the right pass? In for Pulisic, controlled it on his chest. Can he get the shot? Oh, yes. oh of course he can. Wallops it into the roof of the net. Christian Pulisic at the double. That's absolutely fabulous. Skipped away from Jorginho, in for Jones, great lead to Oxlade-Chamberlain who roots it and surely now that is that. From one end of the pitch to the other in a flash. An eight-goal thriller at Anfield, eight different goal scorers. Chelsea needed a point to secure top four. Final scorer at Anfield, Liverpool five, Chelsea three. All right, gentlemen, Naby Keita, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Gigi Wijnaldum, then Olivier Giroud. Apparently, we're good at scoring in stoppage time, so we've continued that theme. Uh, but then when Firmino, can you believe that was his first goal at home this entire season? Like, of course it was. It happened to us. Second-headed goal of the season, and both were versus Chelsea. Yeah. So you're welcome, Liverpool. Yeah. Uh, then the subs came on. Tammy tap in after a hell of a run by Christian, which we'll talk about. Uh, then Pulisic again, and then the nail in the proverbial coffin from Alex Oxlade Chamberlain. So that's the rundown in order. But the lineup stand, I mean, we could talk about the lineups all day long. Copy paste. None of us won. We did not. We saw Kepa between the sticks. We had the back three of Rudiger, Zuma, Azpilicueta. We got Alonso and Reese James as the wing backs. Mateo Kovacic and Jorginho as that midfield two. William Mount and Giroud as a front three. On the bench, unused, Willie Caballero, Andreas Christensen, Fakayo Tomori, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, and Pedro. The used substitutes include 
Emerson. If you had Emerson playing tonight on your bingo card, give me some lottery numbers later. Double Christian down. Pulisic, Tammy Abraham, and Callum Hudson-Odoi all made appearances off the bench in this match. When did Emerson come on? I must have turned it off by that point. 86 minute. Just going to be honest. It had to be late, like 79th minute, I think. Something like that. <sighs> That's kind of the way my match went. It was the 88th minute. Yeah, I was I was gone by then. I was that <laughs> fan who left the stand virtually at that point. Uh, top line stats, 50-50 on possession. Uh, we had 10 shots, 5 on target. Liverpool had t- also 10 shots, 7 on target. Mm. Pretty much even the whole way down. Touches, passes. Well, they had 19 tackles to our nine. We had 15 clearance there, 14. They had six corners to our none. We were offsides three times. They were not. It was pretty even minus those. Those. So again, like this was had to be like top two most frustrating matches to watch. I think this season, Nick. If you just react to the entirety of it, came out looked terrible, and I hate giving you credit. You literally tweeted, we're going to give up five today. So so that's on you. I just want you to that own on that. You. I want you to Nick own Sergamas. it. At N. Verlaney on all socials. First of all, what I love about this podcast is that when I when I tweet something and I get it wrong, everyone's like, ha, you idiot. You got it yes. wrong. When Correct. I get it right, they're like, ha, you idiot. You got it right. That's how it works. Well, stop getting um, the wrong things right. That's oh, the rules. That's just the rules, man. Look, what what I think is incredibly frustrating about this match, if you're a Chelsea fan, is that this entire season, we've played Liverpool four times now, uh, Super Cup, two Premier League matches, and an FA Cup match. All of the matches have been tight, you could argue, except for today. And even today got pretty tight at the end. Um, what What's frustrating to me is that in the first half, in you know the first five minutes, I could tell we we didn't have it. You know we didn't have the the first touch. None of our players had a first touch. Kovacic didn't have a first touch. William didn't have a first touch. Like the guys who you count on to be like leaders on the pitch in that in that formation didn't have first touch. And you can't beat Liverpool that way, man. You, you just it's just not. They're too good. They're very good. This when when Brandon read down the stats. And we basically matched them every single way except for conversion. That's the difference. That's the difference. And, you know, the fact that they have a world-class defender and goalkeeper. Um, You know, besides that, we're basically the same team. Um, I I think there is a – there has to be, when when we move through this, Amity, a recognition of the fight that was put in in the second half and an understanding that it didn't have to be that way. Um, and, and we, and both those things can be true at the same time. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I think that the fact that we looked sluggish early on definitely was an indicator of things to come. I mean, I felt the same way when we played Sheffield United, um, first 15 minutes, it was just seemed like we were playing underwater and that obviously didn't bode well, but it bodes even worse against a team like Liverpool who will punish you for those mistakes and who are, you know, they've had a little bit of a, you can't really call it a slump, but. They've had a little bit of an off period, and today playing at home, about you know, with the lifting the trophy at the end of the match coming, it just wasn't going to happen that way. And we picked the wrong match really to start out flat. But as you said, second half we showed some life, 
and I guess that's the positive we could drop. We definitely have a lot that we can dance with. I think, you know, it if we just kind of go into the beginning, because this is where it all kind of stemmed from, is we applauded Frank for getting the tactics right earlier, you know, against United. They didn't know what to do with it. Today, he just, again, copy-pasted the lineup, stuck with it. And I can understand, you know, you don't have a lot of time to turn around and change a lot with the team. But, like, it, I don't know if it's the tactics, Dan. I don't know if it's the energy level. I don't know if it was the mentality of the team. But when Nick says the game is tight, the scoreline was tight. That was the most open, loose, worst transitioning between offense to defense and defense to offense I have seen. And it was on both sides. I mean, people just forgetting the basics. And I don't get how it's got to be so frustrating for Frank to be like, all right, go do what you just did against United. You stepped up. It was FA Cup semifinal. We nailed it. Here's your chance to ruin the champions on their day. Oh, no, you're okay. You're gonna lay down. Got it. So I'm gonna reward the same team that played, but you guys were heroes. I'm gonna reward this, and it just didn't work, Dan. I mean, like, that's the, the terrible thing about this whole season. It could be the story of the season. The most frustrating thing to me is that this was absolutely a winnable game, and you could tell the tide was not in our favor. The, the William giveaway that led to <laughs> Nabiketia just pulling off a, a, a screamer, like just pulls him out his locker that he doesn't typically uh, uncork uh, for, but the rarest of occasions, like a Liverpool trophy ceremony, you have the non-foul on Kovacic that gets awarded where it gives up a free kick. And it was definitely, it was the type of free kick we've given away this season where you can book it as a goal. Like you should be running to the betting stall to put money down because you can, you'll be buying a new house with that money. Uh, <laughs> it's like buying Tesla stock. Um, it, it, you know, it just was those kind of calamity of errors that made it difficult to watch the match and enjoy it. Because I actually don't think the tactics were, were off. We were moving the ball forward. We were, were causing tons of problems on, on the wings. Like at just as much as we were being terrorized by uh, Robertson and Alexander Arnold, Reese James and Marcus Alonso were giving as good as they were getting for the vast majority of the game. And so I think where we were let down, uh, uh, Nick is really, you know, our, our midfields was kind of completely bypassed and didn't offer a whole lot. So Kovacic and, and Jorginho, did not have the kind of best day out. Really, we're just getting bypassed. And, you know, the, the tiredness of the front three. I mean, credit to Giroud for staying out there as long as he did. But you could tell that that Mason and William were, were definitely off the pace. Yeah. I mean, uh, so I actually went back and forth with Chidge on Twitter today about some of these tactics, right? And, I, and The problem that you run into, right, is Frank has to make a choice. Amity. He has to decide who he wants to try and beat him. And he chose the, the midfield of Liverpool, Sands Henderson, uh, Sands Oxlade-Chamberlain for the most part, even though he got a little cameo at the end. He wanted Naby Keita to beat us and not Mo Salah or Mane or whatever. And the problem is that, <laughs> that even though the tactics, I think, offensively were right, that defensive side of the game just wasn't there um you know when you play wingbacks you expect that you're gonna have two layers of defense on the wing and at times today it didn't even seem like there was one layer there and you, that's not how you're gonna be beat liverpool 
Reese James, on the other hand, going forward, acres he's never had more space. There he could have built a house in the area that that, that he had on, on the right hand side. Same with Alonzo on the left, and they just really couldn't convert it. So it, it was tough. Tough, uh, tough break for Lampard there. Yeah, and kind of a building on what you just said, I think if you would ask Klopp if he would rather go toe-to-toe with us crossing and them crossing, I think he would have taken his. You know, And honestly, if you look at Chelsea this season, we haven't had the most success crossing balls in. Even though we do play in an expansive style, we do get guys like Reese and Alonso crossing the ball in. We don't necessarily convert those chances. Uh, if you look at Liverpool, they convert those chances on the regular and they punish teams with crosses from Alexander Arnold and Robertson. And it's kind of like, you know, it's one of the things where if you're, if you're a manager like Frank and you're still kind of figuring out exactly what your best team is and you're taking every game as a sort of learning experience and, you know, taking notes on how we looked against United, we looked great. We played that system that made us look like we were world beaters and we were easily playing United off the park, and then you go to Liverpool and you play that same style, and then you come up on, you know, come up with blanks. It's almost like I can't really fault Lampard that much because he's still trying to learn exactly what is going to make this team tick, and you can't blame him for thinking that after that Sunday's performance that he would get a result and that our team would show up and play well. That being said, there were key deficiencies in areas that you noted, um, particularly right in front of our back four, where I feel like you know. Jorginho is not going to give you the protection there, whether and whether he's running back behind the play or whether he's standing there himself. And obviously, it takes a couple of you know unlucky moments. William playing the ball back um, before Navicato hit that pile driver. You know those sorts of things didn't go our way this this game. But I, I don't know. I can't really blame Frank's tactics for that. I think that there's there's got to be an understanding there amongst the players. Someone has to take charge and say, you know, like we aren't going to continuously get beaten this way. And today that didn't happen. It didn't. It, um, yeah, it, it was just, again, one of those things where, you know, I think Frank's got to be really confused to your point, Amity, that he, he can, he can watch them do such great things. And then not 72 hours later, watch the exact same team go out there and be mediocre at best. And Liverpool's best players today were Robertson and Alexander-Arnold. 8.0 and 8.4. They're wingbacks. By far the best players. Chelsea were had two players above a 7. That was Reese James and Giroud, who were a 7.1 and a 7.0. Liverpool had seven players above a 7, all on who scored's rating. So again, that just shows you bang average on the day. Willian, who's been on fire since the restart, couldn't have... Couldn't have had a worse day out, minus putting the ball in his own net. Uh, Mount, poor guy. His energy, the pressing, the any kind of creativity, it just wasn't there. And I think we saw that, you know, as we got into the match a little bit later. So Grant James on Twitter, Grant DeSmith, uh, had tweeted a while ago that Lampard has changed to a back three to beat Wolves, Lille, Tottenham, home and away, and Man United on Sunday. However... He stuck with that shape for the following match with these results. Lost 1-0 to Valencia. Lost 2-0 to Southampton. Got pummeled by Bayern 3-0. And then he tweeted a few hours ago, unfortunately, I now have to add Liverpool 5-3 for Chelsea to this. What a weird, weird, like, consistent inconsistency. 
for this team. It's predictably unpredictable, right? That's or what I say, consistently inconsistent. Yeah, yeah. You're just taking my words and changing them. <laughs> yeah, to, to the right words. Yeah. Um, I I think I think there is a school of thought out there that we could have gone four three three for this match because we played four three three against Liverpool the previous three outings that we had against them and had really good games in that formation because we basically neutralized a a midfield that is the supply line to the front line, right? You know, if you eliminate Keita and, you know, in previous iterations, Henderson and Fabinho and, and all that crew, Oxide Chamberlain you throw in there, you essentially cut off a lot of supply. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to cut off all of it because you're essentially then asking Reese James and Aspi and Alonzo, whatever combination of those two in a 4-3-3, to defend against Alexander-Arnold and... Robertson and that's a tough ask like especially on three days rest when Liverpool had all weekend so it was always going to be tough but we've never missed N'Golo Conte or Billy Gilmore more than we did today I mean I mean really genuinely if if you look at what we lacked in front of you know their, their kind of movement in front of goal and all the interchange that happened they played really well by the way this was not the Liverpool that was on the beach like everyone proclaimed they were going to be they were up for this. They wanted. They want to beat us. Klopp, I think, respects the hell out of Lampard, but wants to show him some stuff. This was a really good performance from Liverpool, and we still scored three. So there's some there's an uh, immense amount of negative you can put into this, yeah. and I'm the king of that effort. Mm-hmm. But to maybe Dan's point earlier, you score three, and you probably should have scored six against this team. Yeah. There's something it's there. A, it doesn't mean it's it going to help you right now. Yeah, yeah. It, was it, it was there to win. And I think that's the that's the thing that has frustrated me across all of the Liverpool matches this season because I think we're not that far off of where they are from being able to execute on, on a strategy. As, as good as they are and as um, deserving as they are to be the, the champions of England this season – you know, with a second-year manager, first year in the Premier League, with a bunch of young bodies on there, without Eden Hazard, we still have taken them to you know to the ropes into the twelfth round every single time. And, and outside of some fluky stuff this game, we're bagging three points and we're celebrating the fact that Frank has done kind of the the remarkable uh, yet yet again. And so, like. I don't know. I, I I think it was easy in the moment to be super frustrated and upset. I, I just I would try to zoom out and take a look at the holistic picture and say that what we also got in this match was we got a really good response from a couple of young players who came on, and that was exciting to see too, which I know we'll, we'll get into as well. You know, uh, I I had sent one thing in the group chat because it was one of those where uh, um, Frank was like. Yeah, you know, there was the the first goal that we conceded, and then there was the non-foul that went to the second, and then there was a third foul, or the third goal. He goes, but other than that, it went pretty well today. And it's like, yeah, but that hole was way too deep to dig yourself out of. Like, those things did happen, though. And, like, a couple of them were preventable. And He channeled some inner Michael Scott in that moment. Yeah. If not for this bullet wound, I wouldn't be leaking as much blood as I am. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, sure. I kind of read that and was like, mm, well, yeah, Frank. Unfortunately, though, 
we got her shit kicked a little bit. Um, yeah. And part of this, what I I'm happy to bring this up is is Kepa Aretha Balaga. Like, I felt like he. I, so I sent the DPZ. Uh, obviously, David Pastor was on the last pod. We ain't got no history, and he tweeted about something along the lines of you know everyone's jumping on Kepa's back because he faced two unstoppable shots. And I had to clarify that they are unstoppable for Keppa because he's five foot eleven and a half, maybe on a good day. Like his hand, like he should have say any uh, six foot one up saves Kate the shot. Like his hand was there, and then even on the the Alex Oxley Chamberlain, I know that seems like an impossible situation for goalkeeper. That's actually one of the best situations as a goalkeeper because you are going to your left, all of your momentum is going to your left, and he plays it to your left at a really good height. That's when you come up big. And, like, even I've made that save multiple times. It's just it's in your wheelhouse. Like, if you were to ask a striker to put it somewhere, Oxbow put it exactly where Kepa would have wanted it. And Kepa still can't get enough of a hand on it. I personally was just really let down i felt like amity by keppa's lack of having any presence having any ability and and like i said part of it is he is short and so we have to live with those physical restraints but like at this level he doesn't provide enough other things to justify his his position with chelsea right now and that's the first time i'm really come out and being like hey keppa it's not working out. We need to change. I fully agree. And I think that there's something to be said about the fact that he doesn't command the box in there in a way that you would trust a good keeper to do. I mean, we've had, we were blessed with seasons of check and to go from third check and Thibaut Courtois to someone, his size and his demeanor, I, I, it just doesn't seem like he wants to be in charge. And to add on what you were saying about savable goals, the, you know the Trent Alexander-Arnold free kick. Yes, it's a great free kick. The kid can strike a ball. But he scored almost the exact same goal against you at Stanford Bridge. And he put it in the, almost the same place. It's one trick. Not, come on, you're, you're not going to die. You're not going to make an effort. I would yeah. even be cheating. I would be cheating over. Trust your wall. Trust I'd be, your wall. Now. I'd be pointing at the corner. and just. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know what you're doing. You know what you're going to do. I'm short. I need to make up the ground. I would get two steps over and say, screw it. If you beat me above my head, shame on me. But I'm going to try to stop this. He didn't even dive. He just watched it in. That really pissed me off. Then, the, the one with Oxley Chamberlain, yes, I played goalie before too, and that is the perfect height. You're moving to your left. He puts it to your left, and he puts it at a stable height. That's got to be saved, man. And I just... He's, he, there's so many goals that he's gotten a hand to that have beaten him that you feel like his wrist is made of silly putty. And I just don't like those have got to be at least palmed onto the post. Give yourself a chance. And then one of the things that stuck out most to me was there was the free kick opportunity for Robertson. And you can hear because there's no fans. You can hear all of our defenders yelling, Kepa, 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 like claim that ball. It's with, it's in the fix. It's not even like if he takes one step out, he catches it. And that's not and how those that's supposed to go. Things, like, De- no, de- defenders a- aren't supposed no. to tell a goalkeeper to get it. It is the goalkeeper's no, responsibility the goalie to communicate. I got yeah. it or away. I got I get that it, ball you got or it. you get it out. Like that's his job. And I'm yeah. sorry, man, but you don't have very much else to do. You're back there for one reason. 
very few times we are relying on you to circulate the ball. And it, it, it's not going to be a really dangerous pass. And even those he's been having trouble with recently. So mm-hmm. that really like, that doesn't say, well, man, I'm, I'm with you on this. man. I think that kept us just not, it's not working out. And, and that's not something that we can afford to continue happening mm-hmm. because we've, we look, we look feeble on every set into our box. And like, granted, we're defending. And to be fair, for the set piece goals that were scored against us today, you remove those goals, we get a tie game. But, and, and, and we can't, we can't put this all on Kepa, but there's something to be said for the fact that we keep talking about the same problem and they're not getting fixed. Well, I think here's a question. Like, how many other Premier League goalkeepers would you rather have between our sticks right now? If you just between go down our the sticks? list, Nine, between two. our sticks. I just love the way you frame that because I know you use 19? it in the lineups. Oh, oh really? 19's a big no. That's a big number. Omni's <laughs> doing the 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 what is it? Uh, what's the game show? Damn it! Price is right. And you just price, price is, right? is right. Yeah, he's doing the Price is Right strategy. That's funny. <laughs> you can't go below. I mean, Foster, Dubravka, uh, Dubravka, Schmeichel, Cruel. Oh, Schmeichel for sure. Anderson, Ramsdale. Probably not. Probably not cruel. He's just really old and not agile. I've watched probably him. Probably not cruel. Cool. Leno or Martinez. Healthy Martinez also has sure. two keepers. Martinez, Martinez <laughs> looks sure. legit. Yep, Henderson. So I mean, like, how? But the, 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 that's the, the point I was gonna make is we have gone. I'd rather have De Gea. Yeah, we've gone over ten years. We've gone over a decade plus without having to be concerned about this position, and we are definitely on the other side of the grass is greener <laughs> moment. And mm. the grass is not greener over here. This is. This is a bad place, and we need to get out of it. The two stats that I found most interesting were that Kepa's save percentage this season is now 52.5%, which is below the Claudio Bravo hologram goalkeeper benchmark Mm. of 53.3. And Mm. he has now let in 8% of the goals Chelsea have ever conceded in the Premier League. Okay, okay, hold up. Chelsea been around (laughs) since 1905. He's been around for two seasons. What? In the Premier League. In the Premier League. So 92. Okay. So we'll shorten shorten that. 92 till now. But still, that's that's 20. So I'm not going to beat Amity's rant, which was spectacular, and I absolutely love that. Well done, sir. All I'm going to add to this conversation, because I don't want to pile on the dog pile, is when you look at the other side and you look at some of the deflected you know, shots that Alisson had, and you look at our side, there is a clear difference between those two things, right? He's the best goalkeeper in the league. And I don't know if we have the worst goalkeeper in the league. Uh, that, that, that's irrelevant what I think. But there, there's a clear difference there. The fact that we are going for a top four spot with, the, with some of the defending that we've done this year and some of the goalkeeping is spectacular. Like, it will be an achievement of all achievements, if we're able to sneak into the top four. Because there are, you could see a, a scenario where we are fighting, you know, bottom of the table scenarios with our defense. Robbie Earl said that, like, on, on NBC, we will have been one of the worst defenses to make top four in history, just on goals conceded. 13th most in the Premier League this season. You guys want to hear something stupid? Keppa's not even in the top 20 goalkeepers as far as saves made this season. 
There are teams with two goalkeepers that have played this season have more saves than Keppa. Okay, so these stats are not great, but... And we're done. Takes a large <laughs> swig of whiskey and moves on. Honestly, here's the deal. It is... Mm. I, I'm thrilled with Hakim Siesh. I'm thrilled with Timo Werner. If we add one Kai Averts, if we add anyone else in the attack, great. Awesome. Unfortunately... If we keep this defense the way it is, whether it's the system, the style, and the personnel, it's not really going to matter because it is bad right now. This is what I will say about signings, and everybody's really juiced up, and they should be, right? Like, there's a a lot of momentum in Chelsea world right now, and it's a good thing, like this me being positive. If we kept the same attack going into next year, that we have right now sands our new signings and we upgraded our defense. I think we could be legitimate title contenders. I mean, you have to feel good the way we played Liverpool to your point. If they're the, the gold standard, like we've done well against the gold standard on the other side, if we upgrade our offense, we're going to have to score seven goals a game next year to be exactly. title contenders. Well, exactly. and you have and to score first. Point. We've conceded first way too many times this season. And then that yep. adds. So then you're chasing the game. You can't even play the yeah. game plan you had. That's the biggest thing. If you concede first, it throws out a lot of things. And now you're scraping for a draw. Okay, I got a draw. Now I have to keep scraping. And then you have so much extra running when it's you're in that It's emotional energy too. Yep. Like yeah. that's, that's a he- it's a heavy burden to bear. And we were in a, a WhatsApp thread with Joe Tweeds and Dan's like, well, I'd be happy to win 5-3 every, every week. I absolutely would not be happy to win. That's a hard way. That's a hard way to go about a title win. Like, yeah, it's, it's not going to be easy. And you're certainly not going to win Europe that way, like, no. ever. I mean, think about our team, the team that everybody always talks about, the Carvalho, Terry, Czech, fine backbone. We were conceding very few goals, but we also weren't scoring 8-9 all the time. We won a lot of games, one nothing, 2-0, 3-1. We love the one nothing. But it's okay to score one goal when you can depend on your defense and your keeper because you can say, okay, we don't have to get more than one. You get one, you can just shut down, you can shut everything down. And that's never, that's not in the cards for us this season. We have to score those two, three, four goals to guarantee that we can beat teams because we might end up giving them up two goals. Sheffield United, we let them score two on us in the first game that we drew against them. Wolves. I mean, these games that we won were great games. Winning on the road, fantastic. I love it. But if you're going to concede, like habitually concede two goals, three goals, like you're not winning titles that way. And, and yeah. I love the offensive signing. I love it. But you got to think more more conservatively. You got to be able to shore up the back. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, as an attacker, there's already a ton of pressure to score just in general because it's the hardest thing to do in the game. Knowing that not only do you have to score, you have to score multiple to float this team right now. And that just takes a hard task and makes it almost impossible. So we'll have to see. Um, uh, All right, let's take a real quick break. A huge shout out to these sponsors for supporting the show financially. Uh, I'm sure you've never heard of them either because they're uh, not the same ones we've had for a year, but honestly, they do a lot to support the show and help us give it back to you all. So uh, we'll be right back. All right, Dan, your last point here, your last question going out with a bang which players put in a shift and who do we feel bad for? What a leading question. 
Your Honor, well, the defense rests <laughs> before I even get into it. Objective I don't want to be cross-examined on this. <laughs> we started this by saying that this was a winnable game, and we actually saw some individual performances that were worthy of recognition. And so I wanted to make sure with all the negative emotion that we are processing through in this moment, particularly in the, you know, from kickoff to about 15 minutes afterwards, if you were do, you know following the game on social media as you were also watching it, you know, that we looked at the things that were really good. And I think one of the things had to be Christian's performance in this match, which just was, man, a shot of adrenaline to the starting you know, to the 11 and when he came on uh, the one uh, I, I always love the uh, you know soccer pitch or football pitch graphic where someone has the goat heat map on it and someone tweeted that out with Christian Pulisic's heat map versus Liverpool for the 30 minutes he was on not gonna lie Nick I, uh, I think that's pretty accurate it's a pretty accurate heat map this performance from Christian which by the way is a substitute is insane we have to say like it is so hard to come on as a sub in whatever minute and make an impact, but, but especially in a game when you're down at, at four, what four one, mm-hmm. I mean, to, to come on and go, I might, I might just mess around here and, and get myself a triple double, you know, like, <laughs> you know, it just, you, you, as, as an American sports fan, I, I watch Christian as a guy who you don't want to play against in a game of pickup where you're up eight, two, because he's going to come on and make things super uncomfortable. And you're like, damn it. Like we're supposed <laughs> to 11 is three points away here. <laughs> like we're, we're so close. Um, what, what he did on the pitch today, Amity was astounding. Probably you could argue his best minutes in a Chelsea shirt, even in limited minutes, he provided leadership. He provided a goal and an assist. He should have had another goal if he would have taken his, you know, the other chance that he had. He has, I think, officially stepped onto the stage where he is going to be regarded in the same breath as your Raheem Sterling's and your Kun Agueros and your Trent Alexander-Arnold's or Sadio Mane's, whoever. Next year, the expectation is going to be for him to produce at this level because he's shown that he can do it. And the performance today did him all the favor in the world. And on the other hand, asked some questions about Frank, whether he should have been starting the match or not. Yeah, for sure. And again, we should not want to copy on what you're saying, but he, he had a 30-minute cameo in a game against the, the Liverpool team who was Maybe not their very best, but that's the best team in the country. They're currently the best team in Europe. They're obviously full of world class players, but the way, unless you're, if you're listening to the English feed, uh, Jamie Carragher, of all people, was saying this kid's a superstar. He's going to push on. He's going to get better. We're starting to talk about him in, the, in that same bracket, in the Raheem Sterling, in the Cunagueros, the people who you expect to perform and do. But one of the things I want to talk about is just the first, the first time he drew with their defense. He took the ball up maybe 10 yards off the half line, and he is facing four players. And he doesn't slow up. He just goes directly at them. And it's something of like <laughs> the way he cuts through them, like the quick touches, the meg on Gomez, like the – he's just – the way he plays so directly is almost baffling because 
he's not a very large player. He's he's thin, he's lithe, he has quickness, but he has so much confidence and it's just like flying at him. And the way that the kid is very much a quiet seeming player, you know, he doesn't seem like he's yelling at his, at his teammates often, doesn't seem like he's the most vocal, but he produces, he talks with his feet and the, the 30 minutes he put in today have definitely, in my opinion, been the best I've seen from him. The way he changed the game, the way he lifted up the team, and the immediate impact he had, it does beg the question, why wasn't he starting? But I feel like, you know, when we didn't see him uh, against United, I thought, okay, he's saving him for Liverpool. Um, but I think that they said he had maybe had picked up a knock in, in training. That's why he didn't start the game. But you know, it almost is better, in my opinion, that he didn't and came on and made such a great impact. I mean, personally, it would have been much better if he weren't on four to one when he did. But uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, every time I watch him, he gets better. And this this restart has been his sort of re coming out party because yes, when he didn't start starting every game earlier in the season, everyone was, especially in the American media, was asking questions: what's going on? As Frank told him, what he needs to do to start, blah 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 blah. Then he came and made his name in the Premier League, that hatchery against Burnley, starting to get better, scoring in repeated, in repeated games across different competitions. And then the injury, and everyone was like, damn, well, maybe we won't see the best of Tristan Pulisic this season. But the lockdown has been the best thing for him, I think. And really had pushed on and decided, I'm going to show people who I am. And mm-hmm. it doesn't take much time for him to do that. You know, yeah. and I'm just happy that we've got him. Oh, one more thing. Hazard, in his first season, I think he scored nine goals. And I think Christian has 10. So, I mean, all uh, Ali, they, they, I'm going to say they, as what I mean, Nick and Brandon don't like when I make the comparisons. <laughs> we, uh, we, need to flash up. Stats. we need to flash up the graphic. Unnecessary comparison alert. <laughs> I was just going to say, I don't want to compare Aiden Hazard and Christian Pulisic because I don't think they're the same kind of player. However, they're not. Nope. Yeah. For all the people saying, oh, well, will he fill those shoes? I don't think that's possible. I don't. I think they're very different sized shoes. But what he's done this season definitely, at least in my opinion, should silence the doubters. And it shouldn't be a comparison that we need to make anymore. He's his own player. He provides something different. When you have 20 goal and assist contributions in a season, as any type of player, uh, particularly your first season in the Premier League, where you also were out for a sustained period with injuries, also dealing with the fact that the restart has made a lot of players who were, were good not look good because they've had to reacclimatize. His commitment to figuring it out and unlocking his own personal puzzle to produce these type of performances is, is worthy of praise because it is producing on the pitch. And, you know, you look at what William has done across Project Restart, what Giroud has done across Project Restart, and what Pulisic has done, w- without the three of them, uh, particularly the performances like this from Christian, uh, we would we would be in Nick's uh, you know projection for the season. We'd be in sixth place, and we would be looking up. Uh, and thankfully, we are looking down at others in in fifth and sixth place right now. May I also quickly add, Brandon, as as you should get in on the love here, if Christian had had played as many games as Mason Mount, he'd approximately have 28 goal contributions this year. Just given the amount of matches he missed through injury and all, all the production that he's you know put through. It, it's only eight more than he has right now, but you think about those eight, right? And, and what those eight could potentially do for us throughout the year. 
and you look to next year and and you you know you hope that he stays healthy because he's going to get hacked a lot. There was there's a certain excitement that I feel there, and I'm I'm so I'm proud of him. I'm so proud of him for for stepping up. The thing that I'm most proud of today, Brandon, is that when he scored his absolute banger, which was it, it, we need to put it on a record as an absolute banger. He was the guy showing leadership to me uh, as a casual observer on TV saying, come on, mm-hmm. come on, everybody. Like, they can't touch me. Come on. Like, and, and it was that kind of confidence that I think is, to me, just so impressive. It was a get off me. You can't touch me. Let's go. John Terry-esque confidence. After he scored against Everton, I think as Dan said in our pre in our pre uh, pod, super impressive. I loved it. Yeah, look, he this is one of those intangibles where his will to win yet four one is just as strong as at zero zero up one up two up three, and he could care less what the score is. He's going to do everything in his power, and he's going to hold his teammates to that same standard to get it across the line, and damn near did it. Um, Squawka tweeted Christian Pulisic games uh, by numbers versus Liverpool 100% passing accuracy 100% take-ons completed three shots three of three take-ons as we said one goal one assist electric and there's 32 minutes on the pitch I think Arlo White said he was on the pitch for a minute 53 before his assist went in uh, and that assist went to Tammy Abraham who now has his 17th goal of the season not bad for your first season in the Premier League. Uh, 15 in the Premier League, two in the Champions League. He is now the highest scorer in the Premier League for Chelsea. Um, so well done. 2,855 minutes played, 168 minutes per goal. That's better than every other game. So I know he's on a bit of a cold streak. He had a hot streak at the beginning. But, you know, season as a whole, it's been, it's been a success for him. I think it's easy to say. Um uh, let's go ahead and, and and transition because I know Dan, you uh, did not do a Dan of the match poll, but we have a lot to talk about as far as the table, the standings, the scenarios, everything. Well, well, should should we just just before we do that? Because yes, we should compliment Tammy too. But I think the other two players who deserve recognition for um, their performances today would be Reese James and then Callum who obviously had a bit of a kind of bad cameo in his last match, who comes out and uh, really, you know, served up Christian uh, spectacularly for that goal. So, uh, you know, just mm, exciting nope. to see Sorry. that. We can't do it. We can't, we've already, no. we've already praised too many people, Dan. We have a quota on the show. I can't. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I wanted to. I wanted to pass it to Amity. I wanted to give him the Callum assist to, to Christian. I wanted him to go on oh another rant to get You're a little so score here. Cheesy. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but but Amity, right? Like, I mean, Callum, Reese, Tammy. Anything you want to say about the three of them? Because I, I think you know they all had you know roles to play here today too. And did yeah. Did to be business. fair, we're heaping a lot of praise on Christian, and I have no problem doing that. I'll do that every day of the week. However. He came on with Tammy and Cal, and their introduction changed the game. It was a collective. Uh, the trio really did bring the you know intensity, the, the fire that we needed to change that game. And yes, Christian was the standout player, but without Cal, he doesn't get the doesn't get the goal. It was a great assist. It was perfectly timed. 
you know, he could have taken a touch, he could have driven further into the box, but Liverpool defenders would have gotten back. And I think Tammy, knowing how to feed the space, you know, he knew he was off when that ball went in for uh, for Christian on the goal that he didn't score, the one where he chested it down and apologized. But recognizing, you know, recognizing the better option or better opportunity, rather, thing that takes not only, you know, unselfish uh, behavior, but an understanding of, the, of where you are on the pitch. So the, the three of them really did change the game. And I feel like not giving them their due would be wrong. So fair play to Cal as well, because I know that he's probably feeling a little bit left out in the cold. He hasn't been starting matches. Yes, he did come off an injury. But I feel like, you know, someone like Callum, who was really coming on strong last year, we were all talking about him, about he was, you know, breakout star of the team. He's kind of taking a back seat. And he's clearly still just as motivated. He's clearly still trying to do as best as he can for the team. And that takes it takes some guts, uh, and it's worth commendation. Yeah, I think you know um, he's learning, as with some other players, young players this season. Frank rewards hard work and training. That's where you have to prove yourself to Frank, and if you do it, he will put you in. But it's not a charity. Meritocracy, and you have to earn it there. Um, okay, Dan, can we move on? Yes, we can, Brandon. So the table as it stands, Liver Drool won the league. They got their stupid trophy last night. You tell them to act like they've been there before, but they haven't. So you got to deal with their obnoxiousness. By the way, can NBC cover Chelsea winning the league next year as as thoroughly as they covered Liverpool winning it? Thank you. Boy, was it thorough. Every moment was covered. I just, I hope and expect when Chelsea win the league next year that they get the whole Fulham Broadway parade, that we get a light off fireworks during the match like other teams do, which, by the way, is complete and utter, you know what? What a bunch Um, of wankers. But first of all, like not to be that guy, not to be a sore loser, but like, are you kidding me, guys? Are you you won the league six weeks ago? Figure it out. What are we doing? Yeah. Like, God, man, come on. Um, I, I just I want a thorough representation of it's all fair. the accomplishments that Chelsea achieved next year. I want every single goal scorer to have an interview. I want a youth academy prospect who has never played a game to be in a trophy celebration. Like <laughs> it's <laughs> look, they can do a great job. We know it. NBC does a phenomenal job. I just want it to be around Chelsea. That's, that's fair. All. As you would expect. Uh, Man City in second uh, on 78 points. They've clinched top four. Uh, Manchester United question mark in third. That's a weird thing to say. 63 points. They've jumped us on their massive advantage on goal differential. Chelsea dropping to fourth. Also on 63 points. Leicester City in fifth on 62 points. Wolves sixth on 59 points. So Wolves are out. Mathematically, Wolves are gone. It's Chelsea, Manchester United, and Leicester City. Manchester United. Like, you couldn't draw this up any better for the Premier League, honestly. Manchester United and Leicester play each other the final match of the season. And Chelsea and Wolves play each other in the final match of the season. Wolves trying to draw Chelsea down to Europa League with them. Leicester and United trying to kill each other off to stay in the top four. It's going to be weird. Leicester City are plus 28 goal difference. We are 13. So goal difference does nothing for us whatsoever in this fight. So Dan, number cruncher, 
you've got some probability. And I think you've we even re- received a a handwritten tweet uh, oh, of these scenarios. So go ahead and start with the probabilities and give us some of that yeah. false hope. Well, the five thirty eight probabilities are that there's a eighty nine percent likelihood that Chelsea finishes in a third or fourth position. That for United, it's seventy six percent probability, third or fourth position, and then Leicester is thirty five percent probability. So, which I think in general aligns with some of the form that we've seen across these teams. Uh, the the tweet, which I don't have the individual who tweeted it up. However, uh, what I will say is that they drew out the fact that it just boils down to this. Chelsea win, we're in, and we don't have to worry about any other result. Chelsea draw, and we're in, and we don't have to worry about any other result. Chelsea lose, that's where the weirdness starts to happen. And then... There are two scenarios where we would get uh, knocked out of um, of being in a Champions League position next season. So clearly there's no emotions in probability and statistics <laughs> because I do not feel 70, 89% confident, Amity, that we are just going to coast on into Champions League. No big deal. Yeah, no, I don't feel that at all. Uh, and as much as I like being in charge of our destiny, I mean, I, the idea that we're going to, rely on Leicester United to, to have a favorable result to get us in is not something I'd want to think about, honestly. And I don't think Frank's going to think that either. You know, he's definitely not telling the team, you know, just go out there and try to get, try to get a win or a draw. But if, if the worst case scenario, United beat Leicester, whatever might happen, maybe we can get in that way. He's not going to say that. He's going to say, go out there and try to win the game. We want to win the game. We're playing at home. We have our destiny in our hands. This is, for you know maybe for better or worse one of the better scenarios we could have had where we get to decide if we go and play european football next year in the competition we want to be in and obviously it's not a not a knockover team wolves are good they've shown that all season they're dangerous but this is something where i think we're going to be he'll be confident at least frank will be confident um and it's definitely a game that has me on pins and needles i don't really look forward to it. I'm going to be probably yelling at the TV a significant amount, but it's all there to play for and we have it in our hands. So I guess that's a positive we can look at. <laughs> yeah, you sounded so unconvincing yeah. and you're, this is a positive we can <laughs> Question look at. Trying. We're <laughs> all trying. So. Uh, there's, there's like, uh, you know, Outside of a, a weird result today and VAR not stepping in to help their favorite child, Manchester United, um, they, they have been a phenomenal team post-restart. Wolves have not, um, uh, Leicester have not. So in my, in my mind, like, I don't know. I, I, we will either draw, but most likely win, because again, Chaos Chelsea 2020 has been, is going to chaos, and we're going to do what everyone thinks isn't going to happen. So we think, well, I might draw, I might kind of eke one out. Somehow we're just going to go and smash Wolves. That's just going to be what happens. Uh, and then United are going to do their thing. They're going to get free, you know, three penalty bingos. They're going to win the game. And we'll be in uh, European football in the Champions League next season with Manchester City, Manchester United, Liverpool. And Because uh, that that's honestly, I don't know, if I'm UEFA, I'm nudging the FA and being like, hey, what can we do to ensure that the best teams are back in here? Because I don't think they want the Leicesters and Wolves in champions league 
No way. Just thought. No way. Bigger stadium. Conspiracy FC. It's coming. Yeah, bigger stadiums, bigger audiences. You, you get it figured out. Um, look, from a therapeutic standpoint, I think we did pretty well. Nick, your hair is disheveled. Your glass is empty. Look, you'll you'll be you'll be shocked to understand that I am not confident in our final day performance. And in fact, I see a really dramatic scenario where Leicester have an open door now because United drew today against fucking West Ham. Uh, wait they were the fighting for start, security. So. I you know you. It's better that United, ha- you know, need to go out and think that they have to have to win. Like that, that that is that is the better thing. If they had won this match versus West Ham, and they could kind of think that okay, we can cruise, we don't have to actually go out and play, that would have been the most dangerous thing for us. Like right now, a United team that has to be concerned that if they lose, they don't go back to Champions League. That, that's way better for us. But again, I, we I own our own so. destiny. Just go beat Wolves. Yeah, that's, 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 that's all we gotta lot. do. The- <laughs> the, the wolves that we played at the beginning of the season is not the wolves that we are going to play on not Sunday. The same. They are a they are a dramatically different outfit. They're iffy. And, and Look, they've lost to they lost lost win draw win. So obviously they're undefeated in three. But I'm just saying, like it hasn't been perfect for them. They were firmly planted in the top four race and have fallen off. So the question is, can they remotivate themselves? If that's probably not a word um, to to get up for this game when really nothing changes for them. I mean, unless they probably don't want Tottenham jumping them, so they go to seventh. Well, they're they're guaranteed Europe, right? I mean, so that's what I'm no saying. Is like they don't have like a massive amount to play for, but I think it's just Nuno Spirito Santos is going to expect them to go do some business. I just. You just hope, right? We're just trying to be as optimistic as possible that Wolves throw in the towel and let Chelsea run. We're, we're just not ready for that because the way this, this restart has gone, nothing has been straightforward. We've lost to the teams they're supposed to beat. We're beating the teams they're supposed to have lost to. And then you go out and we can't put two results together back to back. I mean, that is the summation of the restart for Chelsea. The only positive thing I have to say is like if, if every other result is in question, then we should be on a win for this <laughs> The next right, like, yeah, that's yeah. the only beat if, the team you wouldn't expect prevails. to, yeah, yeah. All right, uh, Amity, thank you so much, man. It's always a pleasure to hang out with you. Uh, we've had you twice on, I think, kind of recently, which has been fun. So, thanks for spending some time with us, of course, guys. Always a pleasure, love awesome. it, even if it's talking about a loss. Yeah, I know. Make sure to go follow Amity on, on the socials. Uh, we'll have links in the description below. Dan and Nick, thank you again, as always, gentlemen, for being the troopers you are and the good times and the bad but listeners doesn't matter without you there's nothing so we appreciate you listening to the end uh go check us out on youtube a lot of fun watching us react to each other i think you'll enjoy this one but uh, that's gonna wrap us up we will obviously be here for a huge episode match review post wolves we'll be back before that with some previews there's a lot writing on this one chelsea fans so jump in our patreon discord uh write it with us uh but that's wraps until next time chelsea fans you know what to do keep the blue flag flying high